0: What are we talking about today, Bridget?
1: Today we're talking about setbacks in dog training and how to move past them. And if you really had a setback, Uh, it can be really discouraging when we struggle with things with our dogs. So we wanted to talk about it today and give you our experiences and our client experiences to help the people, the people that are watching this, kind of deal with their own setbacks in life.
0: I would say that a good discussion to start would be what truly is like a setback in training um, because I think that is a term that's probably thrown around a lot and it's not necessarily all-encompassing. Like I think that there are experiences, which is kind of what we're going to talk about today, some of our anecdotes, where it's not actually a setback in training. To me, a setback in training is a situation that happens that changes the behavior in your dog for the worse. So, it doesn't just automatically mean, like, say you're on a walk and a dog charges at you that's off leash. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, that's only a setback in training if, for a period of time after that experience, you see changes in behavior from Mm -hmm. your dog. That is for the worse. Mm -hmm. So, it's like your dog previously was not dog reactive, and now every walk you go on, every time they see a dog now they are reactive as kind of a proactive measure because of that experience of being charged off-leash. To me, that's a genuine setback in training. Um, There are some, I would say, concerns of setback in training where in the case of like Ruber, for instance, who's joining us today, um, he is a client dog of mine and um, his family has given me permission to kind of talk about a situation they had where when we discussed it, it wasn't technically what I would consider a setback in training. It was more so Ruger's consistent personality being what it is. And we just got a little bit too comfortable and we pushed a boundary that Mm -hmm. we knew we shouldn't have pushed. And he said, Hey, I'm still the same dog, (laughs) even though, um, training may, um, improve your situation quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So in his, in his instance, Um, he is not a very snuggly dog, he's not a cuddly dog, he doesn't want you in his face, um, especially if he doesn't know you very well, um, you can tell he's (laughs) more positioned over me here with me instead of Bridget. Um, he's a very safe dog to be around at this point. Um, He can be around people he doesn't know. He can be around dogs he doesn't know. Um, But his boundaries are he's not going to enjoy getting affection from random people and even a lot of times um, from his owners in certain situations or in certain ways. So a situation they had recently was they had invited him up on a piece of furniture. He had snuggled in. Everything was fine. And he actually decided, okay, I want to get down now. I don't want to be up here anymore and the owner had decided no but I want you to stay up here and kind of put him in a command on the furniture to keep him up there and this is something that Ruger in the past had growled a couple times over with that affection of being like I told you I wanted to leave I was feeling uncomfortable or I just want my own space and now he's kind of pressured to stay there using commands and things like that Um, and over time it just kind of got pushed and pushed and pushed and then he did end up biting one of his owners um, over this situation. Of course, very, very sad, very unfortunate. And um, When we discussed it, it was kind of a, a very clear, um, we just pushed a boundary that we just shouldn't have pushed, right? So Ruger was trying to make all of the right choices in that situation where he was like, cool, I came up, we hung out, I'm kind of over it, time for me to go lay on the floor, go do something else. Um, and because we didn't allow him to do that, and we kind of continued to push, then that unfortunate mishap happened. And oh, while we could look at that and be like, "Oh no, like what fallout is going to happen from this?" Truthfully, situations like that, it's like, well, we just don't push that boundary anymore. <laughs> if the mm-hmm. if the dog wants to get up and walk away and leave and make that good choice of like, I'm done in close quarters with you, I don't want affection anymore, Mm -hmm. then that becomes our job of like respecting that and not pushing the issue anymore. So truthfully, there hasn't been and there won't be any fallout from that situation, because we've just learned from it. Um, We know what not to do in the future. And we can kind of move on from it in that case.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, like, there is some people, like when you start training and you start to see all the success behind it and you're like, this is amazing. Like I can kind of lead my dog's behavior. We can sometimes get into this idea that we could do whatever we want to our dogs and they should be able to tolerate whatever it is we want because we're the leader and we're telling them everything. But then we negate all the success we're making because we don't realize that there's these core boundaries we shouldn't push and that no dog should have to deal with. So Mm -hmm. if I were to get on the bed with him right now and like start kissing him, he'd be like, (laughs) F off. And that would be because I pushed a boundary that wasn't necessary. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, and I think that, the, when it comes to, like, necessities, mm-hmm. like, yes, a dog should tolerate necessities as far as handling and different things like that, and in my opinion, the reason a dog will tolerate those things, like, Ruger will tolerate going to the vet and being mm-hmm. handled by people he doesn't know very well, and he does very well with it, um, getting his nails done, getting bathed, being here and boarded and being handled by people he doesn't know on a frequent basis, the reason why dogs become more tolerant of those things in small doses is because we're so respectful of them mm-hmm. when it is unnecessary. Yeah. Right? Like I'm not constantly going out of my way to push his boundaries all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like when a boundary does need to be pushed a little bit that he's uncomfortable with, he respects us enough to mm-hmm. know that like, okay, this isn't a common occurrence. You're not doing this just to push my buttons and get a rise out of me. Like, okay, I'll tolerate this. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: I think it's similar with I was talking to a client the other day about how dogs, like my dog Lumos, for instance, is my Dutch Shepherd is a very similar personality type to Ruger where um, he doesn't like affection from people he doesn't know. That's just never been his thing. Um, And even with people that he does like, if you push and push and push and push far enough, Mm -hmm. then he does still have a boundary, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And for him, it's like he is... Controlled, and tolerant, and his threshold is very high around new people and around new things because he trusts that I'm going to advocate for him and I'm not going to allow people to push those boundaries. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much you train a dog, they are who they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you try to use training to change like a core personality in a dog, you're just figuratively and literally probably going to get bit in the ass. Because... Yeah they're still the same dog. Yeah. And you're
1: gonna get a glaring reminder of that. Sure. That. And like with a smaller dog, like we can probably better physically manage that. But with a bigger dog, like that is a level of danger that we don't wanna push. Mm-hmm. Um, we just need to start respecting the core boundaries. Like they're just the no-no's. Like you have to have some no-no's with your dog. Yeah. Like you said, uh, I think a client the other day said, oh, can I go pet Lumos? And you're like, no. You said it very politely, um, but you know you needed to have that boundary because we need to advocate for our dog's space. We need to manage the situation, and we need to have a core training and foundation, Mm -hmm. and those three combinational things I think are really effective in owning a dog successfully, especially a dog that has or has struggled with some behavioral issues, whether that's aggression or some more severe things.
0: Mm -hmm. Because you can see, like, we're very relaxed. He's not alert or Mm -hmm. on guard or anything, even though you're right there. Mm -hmm. And it's because we've made it very clear to him, his owners, and when he's with me and stuff, that we're not going to ever put him in a situation, you know, at this point where he's going to be made to be uncomfortable. Yeah. So he trusts in this moment that, like, she's not going to touch me. Mm -hmm. That lady's not going to do anything to me. Yeah. You know? And if she tried, then I have a human who's going to advocate for me. Yeah. So it's not something that I need to be
1: worried about. Yeah. We like, a lot of affection is human based where we're doing it because we like it and not that our dogs Mm -hmm. like it. And it's devastating to realize that dogs don't really, like some dogs, I'm sure the dogs love being kissed and pet and hugged, but most majority of dogs, that's not their love language. And we're forcing it upon them because we're like, I need to love you in the way that I want to love you. And if you don't accept that, then I'm going to get mad at you for talking back to me.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's worth, like, it's funny that you said, like, love language, because I'll actually use that as examples. Mm-hmm. like, Lumos, his love language is, like, quality time. Yeah. He wants to do stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's like, let's go places, let's do activities, let's have a good time, let's play ball, hiking, whatever. Um, where he doesn't want to snuggle, he doesn't want to lay on the couch, he doesn't want me to baby talk him, he doesn't, you know, none of that stuff he really cares about. Um, and so, finding out what your dog best receives as like being loved is going to be the most impactful like you need to love them in a way that benefits them and makes them as healthy and like confident as possible rather than how we want to love them and that perpetuating like negative behaviors or things that um, are undesirable Mm -hmm.
1: knowing the dog that you have is just really essential to creating a happy dog Mm -hmm. like i know that uh, his love language is not me crawling on the bed with him and kissing him. He may, like, when mom does it, in his own boundaries, but he's allowed to have boundaries, and he's allowed to move away when he doesn't like something.
0: Exactly. And then you had a good example of a, of a setback in training that, mm-hmm. again, wasn't necessarily a setback, just mm-hmm. more of, like, a natural part mm-hmm. of dealing with the type of dog that they were dealing with yeah. as they're moving forward.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we had a King Corso come in that was very human aggressive towards strangers and mailmen and people, and it had had incidents previously. The dog came to our five week board and train program, and he was a rock star. He got used to a lot of different people, a lot of different sounds, sensations, smells, and things, and got comfortable with our whole staff being able to handle him. Um, we had a killer sent home where this girl's on top of it. She kind of knew the breed she had. But she was like, well, when can I take the muzzle off and not have to crate him when I have people over? And I was like, probably never. Um, I'm never going to say he always has to be on muzzle, but there has to be some level of management with a dog of that caliber all his life, the rest of his life. We don't have a golden retriever that we can pass around to all our friends and family and expect him to tolerate it. We got the core foundations of the bed stay down. But in his incidences, grandma was over, and he loves his grandma. And she had him on the bed. She did everything I told her to do with the muzzle introduction. And then she released him, and grandma tried to give a little pet. And the dog said, nope. Um, And he gave a little bit of snap. She corrected him and was able to send him to his bed and manage the situation. But because of all of the work she did, she found that a little bit emotional. She was a little bit nervous that, feeling like he had regressed in his training and that he wasn't gonna carry on in the right direction. And I told her, you literally did everything right. You Mm -hmm. got on top of it, you released him before he said hello. The only thing I would have done next time, differently, is not have somebody approach him that we're not forcing ourselves on him. If he, grandmother were to sit down and she were to coax him over and he were to say hi, maybe that's okay. Mm but not giving this idea that dogs need affection or need to be our best friends, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that one's like a combo of, like, she did everything right, and that's just like a normal progression when you're dealing with a dog like that to try to get over some of those Mm -hmm. hurdles. And also, again, just surprise, Mm -hmm. core value of the dog. Yeah. That's just kind of what they are. Yeah. Um, And learning and navigating those situations and she did it safely Mm -hmm. and she did it you know appropriately and so those are the only way you're really going to be able to find out like what are his limitations Mm -hmm. you know is he a dog where he may never be able to say hello to people in the house Mm -hmm. is he a dog that needs to be on a bed stay the whole time um are there times where you just need to put him away completely when people Mm -hmm. come over you know I think it's good for people to recognize that like putting your dog away when people come over does not make you a terrible dog winner.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, again, I think I mentioned this to you the other day. People are utterly shocked when I tell them that I put my Dutch shepherd away and a kind of new people come over.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Unless you're part of like his circle, my close family, some of my close friends that he's been around for many, many times. Like it is not worth it to me to have him out if you're not a consistent staple in my
1: family. It's not worth it to put him through that situation where he could harm someone, and then what happens next? Exactly. Yeah, he's going to act like a dog is going to act when he feels threatened or uncomfortable.
0: He would rather be in his kennel. Yeah. He's like, cool, I don't have to worry. I don't have to care. I'll just be over here. You guys do your thing. Whereas when he's out on his best day, I mean, he's just... Yeah. The whole time. (laughs) Exactly, <laughs> and it's like he doesn't relax. I don't relax because I have to constantly watch, mm-hmm. and manage everybody and everything, and it's just not—it's not enjoyable. It's, I would much rather put him in a kennel for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And then when they leave, I
1: bring them back out. Yeah, and there's, like, some people that are boundary pushers, and they're not going to push the boundary with my dog. Um, yeah. And I'd rather eliminate any risk of them doing that. Like, I can say, please don't approach my dog on their bed today. Mm-hmm. And then I can go into the kitchen to get us a little drink. And I come out, and they're, like, leaning over the bed or just, like, trying to <laughs> coax the dog. And I'm like, yeah. what, what did I – what do we just talk about? Yes. And there are some people that, like, can't help themselves. Oh, yeah. And – Obviously, we wouldn't want those people over, but it happens from time to time. And instead of, like, being a w- – which I'd have to be a jerk to my guests and be, like, don't touch my dog. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to manage the situation by putting my dog away.
0: I was going to say, you kind of have an option there it's like, do we just decide that this person just doesn't come over anymore and is around, not around mm-hmm. their dogs? Or do we just remove the dog from the situation yeah. so that we remove the cause of the conflict? Yeah. And only – The individual can make that choice. Sure. It's you, which which one you'd rather do. But, yeah, it's definitely us. Ultimately, something that I've learned a lot over the years just in dog training and even in personal aspects is that whatever your boundaries are, you can't expect people to uphold them for you. Mm -hmm. You've got to hold them. You're responsible for your boundaries. So if you make a boundary, you need to have steps that you will take to enforce that if Mm -hmm. people deliberately walk through that boundary. So if you decide, if I say, don't touch my dog, and they decide, no, oh, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. I'm going to firmly again say, don't touch my dog. And if they don't, then I need to take a further step. Mm-hmm. I can't just be like, oh, okay, well.
1: They're bye. not listening. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> no, it's like, well, then I'm either going to remove my dog from the situation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you to leave. I need to come up with something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So it's up to us to be able to enforce those things.
1: Advocation is huge. Mm-hmm it's like we have such an idea because of the upkick of social media dog trainers and we r- we're fed a picture that there's a clear before and after with all of this training and that when we get to the side of after we're never going to struggle we're never going to have another worry with our dogs and unfortunately that's not true like we said earlier like successful training is management training and advocation and if we use those three things, we're going to be rock solid. But if we start to push on one or push the dog's boundaries, we might see a little bit of that before come back out. Yep. And then people are like, oh, my God, my dog's not a robot that I can program and mm-hmm. make, make do whatever I want with them. And that's a realization people have. So I think because of social media, it's very ingrained that dogs shouldn't regress at all. Yeah. Um, and not true regression, like we said, not a true mm-hmm. setback but it's definitely alarming for people when they see, like, Ruger biting somebody. Oh, I'm sure. sure she was a little bit upset about that. She was like, oh, what happened? Yeah. But it's our job to give people the bigger picture. You'd yeah. say, what could have changed here?
0: Yeah, the context of it. Um, and I think, like, I can think of a, a certain situation even with my own dogs that I could maybe consider, like, a setback, maybe? Or, like, again, maybe just a humbling reminder that mm-hmm. dogs are dogs and it doesn't matter like how well trained they are how long they've been trained it is our job to try to like mitigate risk as much as possible in situations so I know a big thing we always talk about here is that everyone asks like how long do we need the e collar? and for me it's like if so the dog is outside off leash the e collar is always on if I have people coming over it's on if I have them out in public it's on um, I may never need to use it but in the rare case that i need it then it would be terrible to not have it yeah (laughs) especially in those three Mm -hmm. environments and one specific thing i can think of with lumos this was probably a year or so ago that i remember um and it was again just like a reminder that like you can't ever get fully 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 comfortable because it's a dog Mm -hmm. it's an animal and when all of the you know, crazy pieces align, things can still happen, mm-hmm. things can still go wrong. So um, I think there were two instances. One was I was going out my front door and our mailbox is like right next to our front stoop. And I walked out my front door because it was not the time of day that our mailman would have been there or anything like that. And I look and I have Lumos right here with me and there's the mailman, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> he's like, hi. He's, outside, and he's just
0: standing there. And Lumos is right out the door. And Lumos barked a couple times. Um, and I just sent him back in the house. And nothing happened, of course. Mm-hmm. But to me, that was a reminder of, like, look before you go outside. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just take that extra second. Make sure that mm-hmm. your environment, you're aware of what's going on so that you can better handle your dog in that case. Um, the other instance was with, um, there was, I was playing ball with Lumos in the front yard, and there was, like, a lot of traffic going, um, it was, like, during the summer, so all the, like, bushes and trees were really full, so sometimes you couldn't see everything on the sidewalk, and when I threw the ball, I threw it at the exact time that a runner came running down the sidewalk, and Lumos's brain... <laughs> shifted from oh the ball to oh wow I could chase Mm -hmm. the person right and I mean I you probably wouldn't even notice it if you weren't me watching it because it was a very subtle change before I instantly said no and corrected him and he came right back to Mm -hmm. me but that was a very good reminder for me yet again that like I just need to be on top of things sure because that was the perfect storm right there was a lot of stuff happening a lot of stuff going on he was engaged in prey drive because of the ball. And then a runner came out of nowhere that I wasn't expecting. And his little, you know, lizard brain <laughs> said, if I'm going to chase, why don't I chase that? That yeah. seems a little more fun. It's like, this is
1: much better than my ball.
0: Exactly. And I mean, the runner was unaware. You know, mm-hmm. No one was harmed. No one was emotionally harmed either. You know, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't a big thing. But due to training, thankfully, you know, I'm able to mitigate a lot of that risk due to me being... Responsible and making sure my e collar was on, and I took all the necessary precautions, that risk was mitigated a lot too. Um, but those are like the two main things I can think of that maybe you could consider setbacks, where if I dwelled on it, I could be like, man, Lumos has never, mm-hmm. ever done that for years. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden today, he was like, boom. You know what sure. I mean? Like maybe today. And again, I didn't dwell on it because to me it was just like, that was a little bit of him, you mm-hmm. know, just like it being was the himself. Perfect, exactly, him being himself. The perfect situation where it came out, and I could dwell on it and be like, "Well, man, what do I need? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do?" Or I could look at it and be like, "I, I did what I did, and it was fine, mm-hmm. you know, and everything was controlled and safe and, and everything too." And um, so, again, I think those are just good reminders, even sometimes.
1: It, yeah, it is a good reminder to think, like, training is a lifestyle. It's a succession of making your dog, like, conditioned to everything that you're asking them to to do and really conditioning that, but you're gonna have those one-off incidences where things happen, mm-hmm. and we need to have the lifestyle to support that. You had the e-collar on, you're able to give Lumos the information, correct him, oh, yeah. so he's not like, hmm, I got away with that. Yeah, so maybe next time, he was
0: like, okay,
1: yeah, you know I mean? he's like, like oh, he just, I forgot, he right over
0: here, you know, yeah, he's like, I'm just kidding, yeah, but like, I even saw a video the other day where a trainer who very well-known trainer, very respected. He even said the same thing. He's like, I look down for two seconds on my phone. And I look up, and my dog's chasing a deer. Yeah. And my dog hadn't done that in, you sure. <laughs> know, how long? Yeah. So it's like just because someone is a trainer and their yeah. dogs are professionally trained by us like they're still a dog yeah you know we we, we aren't going to change the core of who our dogs are at the end
1: of the day and we're still human and we're going to not catch things all the time or be the perfect dog owner that's going to be on top of that all the time that's not how life works we need to build a relationship with our dog that's strong enough to withstand those little hiccups and we need to learn and grow from those hiccups and Um, next time you're aware, like you said, you're more aware of your surroundings when you're walking out your door, you're more Mm -hmm. aware aware when you're playing fetch with him in the yard now.
0: Yep. Do you have any stories of your own dogs that you can think of that you would, could be considered setbacks or?
1: Yeah, like definitely, um, Nelson, my eldest dog, he's about 12 to 13, Uh, I know it sounds really silly, but he is a a five-pound chihuahua with some nasty reactivity. Like, (laughs) very, very nasty to the point where, like, people would laugh at him and be like, he's so tough. But it was like, I was suffering for a long time. And once we got past that initial reactivity, it was, like, beautiful. And I was like, ugh, it's fixed now. And I took him out without an Uh e-collar recently in his old age. And we were going on a trail walk, and this dog passed by and Nelson's like, Nelson came back. Nelson's, <laughs> before Nelson came back and he was ready to like, he was like up in arms, he's like come on, barking, <laughs> making a scene and he's like Aah! Just going ate shit. and I'm like, obviously I can manage him because he's five pounds but nonetheless, I kind of took the precautions. I had a pet corrector with me luckily and I had Sprayed the pet director, and he's like, Oh, never mind. He's like, I was just kidding. I was just testing your <laughs> limits. I'm going to humble you today. Mm-hmm. So now, moving forward, we won't be going anywhere without our e collar outside because it's just a core thing that we need to be able to communicate. You said
0: he's 13?
1: 12 or 13.
0: See, he's
1: still young and spry, Bridgewater. He's so young and spry. He's middle-aged. He he, yes. <laughs> he was like, My puppy self is coming back out. Uh, but that is the biggest setback I could determine. And that didn't, like, Previous trainer me would have been like, oh, no, I'm, that's so awful. Now I have to overthink and overanalyze what I did wrong. My dog is horrible, and he's not actually mm-hmm. fixed. I was just like, no, he's just had an asshole moment. Yeah. And I put him back on his uh, – I humbled him back, oh, yeah. and now he's much better. Um, not to say that we're going to ever test that again, but sure. setting up the scenario where I'm able to address it if I need to. Well,
0: I think bring that up, too, that it's like what, sometimes I wake up I'm
1: just not having a great day. <laughs> I have a lot of I'm those.
0: Not having a great day, and then sometimes I wake up and I'm like, the sun is shining, mm-hmm. the world is beautiful, everything's great. And dogs can be the same, like some more than others, mm-hmm. but there are definitely dogs that can wake up, like with my Dutch Shepherd when he was like, younger, especially it was like very polarizing. As soon as he woke up, I'm like, oh, he's in a mood. You know, and it was just like that type of day. And the longer a dog is trained, I do think you'll see, like your your like your goods and your bads mm-hmm. start to like even out a little yes. bit. Yes, yeah. The longer a dog is trained, but it, you're still gonna have those natural like ups and downs. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on their personalities and stuff.
1: But it's like if you're trying to get yourself healthy, like we can't expect to get to our core health or level of fitness and then be like, we can eat McDonald's every day now and okay. we're totally fine. It's like lifestyle change and adapting to. What mood our dog might be in that day, and just because you're in a mood doesn't mean the rules have shifted. Does I'm gonna still be dependable to you, so you can depend on what today's gonna go like. I'm not gonna let my dog decide that. Yeah, no, no
0: that's, that's a good point to bring up. That even if they are in a mood, it's not like we change our structure of how we interact with mm-hmm. them. It's just sometimes you have a rougher day where you have to be a little bit more strict with things and mm-hmm. kind of keep them in line with stuff, and then. Some days it's just a little bit easier because they're not pushing back as much and they're a little more compliant. But it is important to be that consistent source of like predictability for them. Mm Where it's like, even if they're willing to push the boundary, they still know what to expect on the other side of the boundary when they push it.
1: And in the sense, like maybe some setbacks are good learning opportunities for us as the human. Mm -hmm. I have like somebody that actually dealt with pretty devastating setback, was one of my clients that had brought another pit bull home And they had, I think, two already. And, of course, the first week or so was beautiful. And it was a love fest. And they're excellent owners. They're very on top of everything. But eventually somebody, I think the scenario, somebody dropped food on the floor. And the dogs began to fight. And it was very traumatic for the woman involved, which I totally understand and empathize with. It was horrible for her. She got bit up. And because of that, ever since then, those dogs have been completely separated because that's how they've had to manage their life with the dogs. And they do a really good job. But right on our first session, when they were kind of telling me what their current lifestyle was, I was like, we need to get the dogs around each other with mechanical separation. Yeah. And we needed to start working through that big setback. Because previously, I believe, the dog was on the basement floor and they never even interacted with the other dog. They never saw the other dogs. And that's gonna build on yeah. that. And then we're creating a larger setback when we refuse to let dogs work through our normal life. Mm -hmm. And what happens if somebody leaves a crate door open by accident or somebody leaves a door open? Not to say that it doesn't take a lot of management, but things like that happen and that was a devastating setback for them. But I was joking with them. I was like, she's like something along the lines of like, I wish we could go back to the way it was before. Mm -hmm. I don't wish you went back to the way things were before because that's where the issue was. Exactly. So yeah. it
0: was always there. There was yes. just not like a catalyst for it yet. Yes. You yeah. Know? Um, and actually that might be a good segue. Um, if we have time to, into like the multi-dog household yeah. thing too, because yeah. all of the advice I give people about living in multi-dog households, because that's been the majority of my dog experience is mm-hmm. having multiple dogs. Yes. Um, And currently I have four and they're all males, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, which is a whole nother aspect. But a lot of the advice and the parameters I give people seems like overkill. And, you know, you can look at it and be like, oh, but like I have, I do that and I've never had any problems. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, it's fine until you do have a problem. You know, it's okay to ignore this advice until it's not okay to ignore that advice anymore. And then it's really hard to come back from that. Sure. Because once you start having inner household fighting, the trust is deteriorated between the dogs. Um, And I've had issues like with my Dutch Shepherd and my Doodle of all dogs um, where they've gotten into it a couple times. Mm -hmm. And it has taken some time to repair that and to be able to kind of figure out exactly what the triggers were. And typically for, like, a week after they would get into it, the vibes were weird. Yeah,
1: the vibes are weird. The
0: vibes are weird. Um, and so they just don't trust each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they're looking at each other like this, and everything's off. And so, um, and then I have to kind of establish, like, okay, where did I get a little bit lazy, a little bit lax, and what do I need to do? And granted, none of these fights were, like, knockout, out fights mm-hmm. where they were, like, breaking skin and injuring each other. Um, just, like... Brotherly scuffles.
1: Mm-hmm. Brotherly scuffles. But
0: still, it would be, you know, maybe easy to be like, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal, mm-hmm. and just hope it doesn't happen again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, I took it very seriously because I said, I know how, how dangerous this can get if it gets left unchecked. Yeah. You know,
1: exactly. Um,
0: especially when you have a Dutch Shepherd against a Doberman. <laughs> but um, and thankfully, you know, I don't have those issues anymore with them. But not to say I couldn't ever. But at this point. Everything is
1: harmonious.
0: But the biggest things for me are I will never, ever leave my dog um, unsupervised together, ever. They are all separated, created Mm -hmm. very securely. Um, I don't care how well your dogs get along, how long they've been together. I don't care if they've lived together eight, nine years. If you hear this advice and you have dogs living together, you should be separating them when you're not Yes. Never
1: take that for granted.
0: Never take that risk.
1: Everybody's in a crate or they're separated somehow in a safe manner.
0: Yes. Um, That's a huge one for me. Another one is that there's no free feeding. There's no food left out. There's Mm -mm. no um, resources left out. I don't have bones. I don't have toys. I don't have any of that left out for them to just have whenever they feel like it. That is all given to them at the appropriate times when I can supervise and There is strict rules where no dog will ever take something from another dog. So if they have something, I don't care if it's a six-month-old puppy has a bone, do not let your four-year-old dog go over and take it because they're the boss. Mm -hmm. That's not how that works. If they have something, it's theirs. If they get up and they walk away from it and they decide they don't want it anymore, then that's fine. The other dog can have it. Um, But you should never allow them to kind of play that back and forth.
1: Yeah. Or like, I want your bowl of food instead of my bowl of food. So they're going to swap, and people are like, that's so funny. I'm like, wait until it's not funny. Exactly. Wait until the dog A doesn't want to swap with dog B, and then things get nasty, Mm -hmm. and then you feel, like, trauma response (laughs) when when things go off. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Um, Ruger. No. Yeah. You're trying to steal snacks over there. You don't need snacks. Um, Another big one would be For me no affection given To multiple Mm -hmm. dogs at
1: a time Yeah that's a hard one for people Because like they're like I want to pet Dog A and dog B at the same time I'm like you're literally causing conflict Mm -hmm. And you're like dangling Something that they both want in front of them And that's not fair Mm -hmm. Like if one of my dogs is getting affection And the other comes pushing over I'm going to correct the dog that came and pushed over You're not going to come and demand your affection Because you're jealous Exactly
0: yeah, they, they're, they're not coming over because they, they love you and they want affection to mm-hmm. They want what the other dog is getting. Yes. And so it's between the dogs. You have nothing to do with it. Yeah. By playing into that and being like, I'll just give you both love at the same yeah. time, all you're doing is making yourself a very weak resource in that moment that they're going to fight over instead of a strong source of authority mm-hmm. who has... The ability to say, like, no, 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 I decide what I give affection to Mm -hmm. when I want to. You don't get to just solicit that from me if you feel like
1: it. Yeah, and I think it's tough for people because we have this idea that our dogs have these very emotional, human-like responses where dog A is going to see dog B getting pet and dog B is going to be like, I'm so hurt and yeah. sad. And it's like, it's not coming like, of course dogs have a wide variety of emotion, but it's not that deep. They're not sitting there feeling left out. Mm-hmm. They're just like seeing you as value and they want a piece of it. And that's that's what really it is. It's not anything deeper than that.
0: Oh yeah. Um, and that's another one of my uh, main points too, is that you should, you should have an individual relationship with each of your dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, never, ever, ever get another dog for your dog. Yes. If you get a dog, it's for you. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) Do not get a dog because you think your dog wants a playmate or you think it would help their anxiety or you think that whatever the reason is, it should not be because of your other dog. It should be because you want another dog. Mm -hmm. Because what if your dogs don't like each other? Then what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It needs to be because you want the dog. Um, And so they need to have specific outings separately they're going out separately with you yeah with my four dogs i still actively take them individually places Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe i'll only take two maybe i'll take one maybe i'll take three maybe i'll you know i'm never obligated and i don't feel guilted into doing everything with every single dog all the time Mm -hmm. that's just not how it works
1: yeah and your your relationship with your dog like my my dogs i can confidently say is stronger than the relationship they have with each other So Absolutely. Yeah. One
0: of the coolest things that I saw was Snoop. So Snoop is my chihuahua who's going to be two in March. And one of the coolest things was I took him and my Dutch Shepherd hiking. We came to this trail, and the trail kind of split out literally maybe like four or five feet away and then looped back around after like a 12-foot distance. And my Dutch Shepherd, I was on the straight part. My Dutch Shepherd went over this way and kind of to explore, which was fine. And initially, my chihuahua followed after him, and I saw... Snoop stop halfway through that trail kind of look around because he realized that I wasn't with them and he walked Mm -hmm. and backtracked all the way to come over where I was Mm -hmm. and to me that was so cool Yeah, I didn't expect him to and I was fine with him going over there but to me that was such a a pivotal moment for him where he Mm -hmm. was like do I feel safest with my dog with my brother or do I feel better being with Mm -hmm. my owner at that point And not safer as in he was nervous or scared, but more that he was just like, if he had to pick who he was going to follow or stay with, he felt a stronger kind of draw Mm -hmm. to me rather than my other dog.
1: And that's how it should be.
0: Yeah. And I think, um, especially with people getting puppies with older dogs, they rely on the older dog to do far too much training with the puppy than they should. Yeah. I think that using your older dogs, if they're trained well and very stable can be very helpful, and mm-hmm. I've done that a lot with my youngest dog, but they should never be developing that relationship mm-hmm. with that dog in in spite of you. Yeah. You know, you need to be the biggest um, engagement that the new dog
1: has. Uh, it's like if, you, if you're an older sibling, and then your parents are like, you have to watch your sibling all the time now, and you have to take care of them, you're like, that shouldn't be somebody else's responsibility. Exactly. And I promise you guys, your trained dog will not train the bad behaviors out of your other. They can no. pick up on things. If
0: anything, the bad behaviors spread. <laughs> yeah,
1: I hear that I hear that constantly. They're like, when we get the second dog, um, the trained dog's going to teach them. And I'm like, no. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. May, they may not feed into the bad behaviors like barking, but mm-hmm. they're certainly not going to be like, hey, this is a bed stay. Um, we go on this and we stay on it. Or they're not going to stop their assholery.
0: The things that I've seen them, them work on is like, Sometimes it can be helpful for potty training.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sometimes it can be helpful for sociability. Recon- if you have a stable dog who's yeah. good at recognizing, like, threat levels mm-hmm. of, you know, this is something you shouldn't be scared of. Or, you know, things like that. It can be helpful. Um, like, I can think of another time with my chihuahua. I had all of my dogs outside. Um, a group of dogs was walking down the street with their owners. And all three of my adult dogs just sat there nice and calmly watched mm-hmm. them go by. I could see Snoop kind of, like, he, like, stood up a little bit. He was on, like, a long line at this point, and he was curious and interested. And then, I kid you not, he kind of looked at all my other dogs mm-hmm. and
1: were like, we're not He's like, concerned. "No, nobody else is concerned. Yeah, he said, no one's yeah.
0: concerned? All right, we're not concerned. Yeah. You know, and that type of stuff I've seen affect Because if one of my other dogs started barking, I'm sure he would have been like, oh, we got to be alert. Yeah. Something's going on. That's... But, so I've seen it affect things like that, but Yeah, it's certainly not going to take sure. the place of, like, actually teaching your dog and giving them the proper structure that they need.
1: Yeah, and coming from a really heavy rescue and foster background, I would incorporate new dogs into my house all of the time in a really safe manner, obviously, mm-hmm. but even if I had really anxious dogs coming to me, they'd read the vibe of the whole pack, and the whole pack would just be, like, zonked out, sleeping, snoring, and the dog's like, I don't need to be nervous right now and they're like none of these other dogs are concerned so it Mm -hmm. did help with that and you're right it helped with the sociability the confidence of my dogs kind of helped that dog come out of their shell more Mm -hmm. and then just the general routine I had set in place with my dogs made it so much easier to incorporate that other dog coming into my house and adjusting much better because you're able to set the rules for everybody.
0: Yeah absolutely Um, and bringing a new dog home I think that's a pivotal point for how things are going to go as far as long term with those dogs. I'm very much a proponent for like when I bring a new dog home, um, I don't really allow any interaction with Mm -mm. my other dogs for a long time. Yeah. Like weeks. Yeah. So like when I brought home my puppy, he's my newest. All my other dogs are nine, 10 and 14 and he's the youngest. So when I brought him home, he was, of course, always contained or on a leash, mm-hmm. and my other dogs are well trained, so they were either on bed stays or just knew to stay away from him because I just kind of had that expectation. And they didn't interact; they coexisted in the same house. They went outside together. We went on walks together. We did all those things, but there was no like, "Come meet the puppy." Yeah, you know, everybody was, meet
1: the puppy. Yeah, there was
0: no thing like that because I don't, I don't like these like greetings where it's like super emotionally charged like oh everyone's excited Mm -hmm. this new dog just came in the house run over and say hi it was like it's been a couple weeks the excitement has died down Mm -hmm. nobody cares that they're here anymore he doesn't care about the big dogs Mm -hmm. the big dogs don't care about him and then their interactions became like very organic Mm -hmm. whereas like we were out in the yard and lumos would be like walking by and he just like and then keep going, Yeah, you know, or Snoop would be like trotting around and he'd be like, oh, hey, big dog, do a little bounce mm-hmm. and then run away. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was very like, we already know each other.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, I think that there's this expectation that dogs need to like physically interact mm-hmm. to be able to like get comfortable around
1: each yeah. other. And that's not always the case. Yeah, like going back to the the dogs that ha- they have three dogs that have gotten into a fight. Um When we instructed them not to do like the complete floor separation, Mm -hmm. now they're putting the one dog in a crate and the dogs that are allowed out together are able to socialize healthy and they're just around each other. And that's all I wanted for them. And it's been amazing. Like they're not currently together right now because we haven't, Address the other side of the puzzle, which is the one of the male dogs, mm-hmm. but they're at least in a crate and able to be around each other. And the novelty of seeing each other for the first time is dying down, exactly. and they're getting more comfortable just kind of being like in the same room with each yeah, other. Coexisting that yeah, Co-ex- coexistence, not expecting perfection. They'll never get to a point where they're going to ever leave their three dogs alone. Mm-hmm. Together, they're never gonna get to a point where they can have socials completely unsupervised because that's not responsible. And they're extremely responsible, awesome clients. And I'm really excited to kind of see the progress and hopefully train their other dog so we can get a whole picture. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today, Ruber.
1: He said, yeah, no problem. (laughs) He said, I was really busy, so. Bye everyone. Bye.